welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Writings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter is Jeff at DT. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, Pete. Did you enjoy going to watch your Eagles on Sunday in 35-degree weather? Yeah, because I was in the shade, but gee whiz, I felt sorry for the boys um, running around in the Gold Coast Suns running around in that weather. It was uh, pretty tough conditions, and still played with um, quite a, a bit of um, pace, I must admit. You did tweet out before that game, you said it could be uncontested Mark Heaven, and uh, let me tell you, 259 combined <laughs> uncontested marks was off the charts. So good call yeah. by you right there. Okay, round one is such a small sample size. For me, I expect AFL coaches to make adjustments over the coming weeks, and I just reiterate man, they are going to make adjustments because some of the teams got torched for inside 50s and that won't be happening in a few weeks' time. Jep, thoughts? Yeah, look, it was um, the usual suspects. You know, it's still possession football for Fremantle. Um, I felt like Gold Coast played more possession footy than we're used to, but typically a lot of the teams played their same game plan. Um, yeah, there'll be small adjustments. We'll um, we'll adapt as fantasy coaches as well, and um, no real surprises. I think we feared the worst with with some of our primos, and generally we'll get into it shortly about the fallen primos. But yeah, it's um, it was a game where I, I felt like we were we were prepared for what was going to pan out. Also, some teams had very soft matchups in round one, and you need people need to understand that, which means some of the numbers are clearly distorted, which will balance out over time. Jeff, your thoughts on that? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And um, I even, you know, it, it's inevitable, as good as the Crows were, I'd be pretty surprised if they could keep that up for 21 more rounds or whatever it is. So it's um, there'll be some rise and fall, and we, we rarely have consistent players and teams. So... Yeah, good start to the season, but we've got to take the information that we have and, and, and roll with it. I did talk about some numbers and some game trends from what I did see in round one in the previous podcast to this in episode 68, so go back and have a quick listen. Um, that will be dropping on Monday nights and early Tuesday mornings, 10 to 15 minute podcast for you to get an understanding of what I did see. Okay, as always, if you retweet any podcast link, you'll be in the running to score a plus six podcast cap we'll give uh, some more weight at the midway point of the season so keep an eye out on twitter for those also if you've not been following afl ratings twitter accounts you're likely behind your opponents already uh, plenty of information coming out through the weekend all the press conferences the injury reports so jump on and follow all i ask in return for the content a likes and retweets and additionally uh, got some more fantasy content coming on aforratings.com.au this week, so just keep an eye out for that. If you'd like some analysis on breaking news down and playing roles, fantasy injuries, etc., uh, that's your home for this season. Remember, this podcast is focused on AFL Fantasy Classic overall ranking. We are recording this podcast on Tuesday night, March 23, as always, and which is quite important, make necessary adjustments when news comes to hand. Okay, Jep, what are your five takeaways from round one? Well, firstly, the fallen primos. So we didn't have too many primos to put their hand up in round one, which is good and bad. If we, um, It's good if we uh, don't own them. 
and we can pick them up a bit cheaper as as the rounds go on. But bad if we um, started with a more predominant primo setup and rook setup, then more mid prices. So fallen primo was definitely something I noticed. Um, a lot of primos underperformed. We can name several now, but um, yeah, that was one. Two less tackles in the game. Mm-hmm. Really, across the round, a lot more less tackles. So you're in an undertypes of the Adams and the Olivers of the world, um, those players that rely on tackles for their score. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a red flag. Uh, number three is an off week for Gorn and Grundy. Personally, I think they're going to come good. Yep, they haven't started well yet. They're going to drop in price, but no drastic measures yet. Just stay calm and, and roll with it. Uh, for number Four is the depth required in team lists this season, season 2021, is going to be of the utmost importance, which is great in a sense where we're going to have more rooks playing this season than any other season for the for the last, you know, five years, say. And um, I think we're always going to have these downgrade options, which is great. I, I just felt like there were a lot of injuries over the round, obviously some suspensions, and, yeah, the team with the best depth is, is going to be vying for a top-four spot and, obviously, a premiership berth. So that's something I took off the round as well. And then the last point is um, rookies coming good. You know, Goulden, Powell, um, Warner, to a point, really, really good play. You know, they played really well. James Jordan deserves a mention, but, obviously, Matty Flynn was of the utmost importance in all of that. Um, and... Yeah, we'll get into setups and stuff, but those that had Flynn at R2 would be pretty damn happy. Yeah, I had Flynn as my bench, which was fantastic to start with. Anyway, so my five takeaways were disposals were down. So in 2019, round one, disposals were average of, for that round, were 371.8 disposals, and just slightly down in round one, 2021, at 365.4. So I did reference both of those. Missed out last year, different game style, and obviously shorter quarters. Premium players, this is number two. Premium players took a massive hit in round one. And number three, some players under 300k really surprised. And number four, rucks overall were underwhelming. I think that was pretty much an opinion most people could see. And number five, ball movement seemed to be far easier, which led to more inside 50s for some teams. Now, I did look through the inside 50s from round one 2019. Uh, the average was 54.7 in 2021. Round one it was only a slight increase to 55.7. But some teams, when I've run through team by team inside 50s, some teams got absolutely torched, and Carlton was one of those. Okay, we're going to go on to some current assessments. Uh, firstly, Jeb, overall, are you happy with your team structure? Uh, let's let's have one good decision and one bad decision that you went with before round one. Um, the good decision, so yes, I'm very happy with my team structure. The good decision is the primo ruck and rookie ruck setup as R1 and R2. I'm pretty happy with that. I, like you, was silly and left... Um, Flynn at R3 to start the round or start that round, um, rolling lockout, sorry, and unfortunately missed out on his big score. But I still, yeah, have the Grundy and Flynn combo, and I think that looks to be the winning combo from what we saw in round one. Um, what I did bad, um, probably stubborn, stubbornness. Um, Butters was 
one of my more disappointing picks, as, as weird as it sounds, because I think he scored 79. So I thought he'd go pretty big and Port have a really favourable draw early, um, and he was a semi-unique. So uh, he was probably my worst pick. But overall, really happy with this, the structure of my teams with primos and mid-prices and that mix. Yeah, for me, uh, I thought Payne down at the ruck position was a correct call, and I'm pretty happy with that. Overall, my, I, th- I believe my structure is quite good. I'm, I'm very happy with it. Um, and one of the bad decisions I made were uh, just who I played. So obviously you can cop a good score or your bad score, and I thought I was on the wrong end of it far too many times. So which is a little bit disappointing, but that's fine. Okay, Jeff, what do fantasy coaches need to start to identify now that the season has started? So really it's about where the value picks are. So I, um, I've i been toying with my trades as I always do on a Monday and I spend quite a bit of time on a Monday. Uh, I did tweet out that I feel like Monday is the best time to make your trade decisions given the games are fresh in your head. But I feel like this is not the time to really jump on a primo, a, a, a given primo. I feel like this is the time to jump on the value picks that are, you know, that discounted premium, if we're going to call them that, that still have that cash to earn. Um, they're the picks you want to make this week. And and I really want to emphasise that to the listeners because I feel like everyone's just automatic, you know, danger to Dunkley or that kind of move, I feel like it should be really danger to Caldwell if you don't have Caldwell or, a, um, you know, who else is a, a row to a Stevenson, if you will, or, or something like that. So, yeah, I, I don't think this is a time to, to solidify a, a, a proven primo. Um, I feel like this is a time to cash in on those discounted premiums who you think will be there for the rest of the year. Yeah, for me, it's uh, starting to target the break-even game. So if you don't have those in your team, to target them. And also, uh, you probably get one or two weeks to just do a little bit of a restructure if you want or just to balance out things. And obviously, we only got one pre-season game per team. Now we're into round one, so it's a little bit more of a sample size. And what we've seen on the weekend was a little bit more real compared to what we did, did see in the pre-season. So obviously we can make probably one or two weeks up our sleeves to make some uh, extra final decisions, if you would say. Okay, how should fantasy coaches approach the current ruck situation? So the first question there, if you have spent down at ruck, and the second part of that question, if you own the top rucks, i.e. Gorn or Grundy. So two parts there, Jep. So first one is where I sit. I did spend down at Ruck quite drastically. I started with Nankervis at R1, and I do have Meek and Flynn in, in there as my other two Rucks, uh, and you were the one of the ones who started Grundy. So thoughts on both? Yeah, look, I think the Grundy and Gorn owners should just um, stay stay still and, and not panic too much. I think Gorn, I watched Gorn's uh, halftime press conference during the game, and he made a, a, snot, a little remark about him not being needed behind the ball because May and Lever were swallowing up everything that came their way, which was spot on. So I think Gorn found himself in a bit of no man's land during the game, and that's why he scored so poorly. Grundy obviously had the centre bounce tendencies, and it just didn't convert given the pace of the game. Now that could be a trend, and he's obviously not going to average 110 or or anything, but I just feel like 
what other options are there? You know, what other options are really going to get you ahead? And ultimately, Gorn and Grundy are still going to be the top two rucks at the end of the season. So we pick our primos, we stick with our primos, we try not to trade our primos. Um, yeah, and then as for the R2 situation, we just hold hold steady with Flint. I think it's, you know, a safe bet. We want at least an average of 65 from our um, from our rookie price players, and I think Flint's going to comfortably do that most weeks. So, um, you know, I'm just going to back Flint in for the short term until um, there's drastic need for change, really. If I did own Gorn or Grundy, I'm holding tight. Just on Grundy, Collingwood have struggled to score, and that just proved that once again in round one against the Bulldogs. But the Bulldogs were on top of that game early, and Collingwood never really gained any ascendancy. So uh, it was a low-scoring game, which means less centre bounces for Grundy, even though he did spend a high percentage starting ruck. So again, low scores means less centre bounces, but percentage is high. So which is good for Grundy, but when you consider if Collingwood are going to be a low-scoring team, uh, you know, that's going to be less centre bounces overall, which is low hitouts. And if you did spend down at the rack like me, I can guarantee you my warning bells are going off. We're on a time limit here, and uh, for me, uh, for Hunter, especially for those two, I think we're okay for Flynn at the moment. Uh, but do keep an eye on his ankle injury heading into round two. And just a couple of updates on Meek. Sean Darcy is available to play this week. So whether they go with the Duroc setup at Fremantle or Meek misses out altogether, uh, that's something to keep an eye on. And from Hunter's situation at St Kilda, uh, he got torched by Flynn on Sunday, uh, which I didn't expect uh, to, to that extent. So uh, when Ryder... And, and it's potentially he's going to come back early. When Ryder comes back, uh, Hunter's straight out of that team. Uh, Marshall, from what I can hear, is still two to three weeks away. But uh, some of those time frames can change really quickly, which will put Hunter under pressure. Okay, players that have a negative break even chip. We've got Matt Flynn at minus 24, Errol Gordon at minus 22, James Short, Jordan at minus 12, James Rowe at minus 9, Harrison Jones at minus 1. Which of those do you like? If you like them all, that's great. Oh, obviously like them all, um, but Gordon's the one for me. He's just a go-getter. He's a competitor. He really um, attacked the ball hard and did really did a lot of good things, obviously, but then made good decisions too. Mm-hmm. So, um, And for a young player to make good decisions with ball in hand is, is a big kick difference in their development and I think he's going to stick around in that 22 for a very long time. Unfortunately the pressure of rolling lockout, I um, I opted to change James Rowe out and put Harrison Jones in, weirdly to save about 20 odd grand um, I was I wish I hadn't because Rowe was obviously pretty good but at the same time a theory was that Adelaide were going to get pumped a lot of the times these year, this year and the ball wasn't going to go down Adelaide's forward line too much so there was theory behind the madness um, and I felt like Harrison Jones' job security was a little bit better um, but he did look good Rowe and um, he played that high half forward role at times as well so um, yeah, lots of like from the rooks, and and like I said earlier in the pod, it was it's more the depth of each team, and we're going to have a lot of rooks playing this year. Um, I think we're going to have a big injury season, 
and it's going to sting most of us at some point, but the Rooks uh, are going to get a lot of games for sure. Yep, agree with all, all of those comments. There are over 30 players with a break-even of 120 points or more, Jep. How do you see this playing out in a salary cap format? Yeah, look, it's... I just have learnt from previous season not to trade out your primos because you picked them for a reason. And, yeah, they might start start round one poorly and they might even start, start round one and two poorly. But eventually they came good. And, you know, last year I started with Bonson Pelly. He scored 55 against Collingwood. And then last week they played Collingwood again in round one and he scored over 100. So it's just a bit of luck in the draw. I felt like the Bulldogs are really on this season. They just, all of them looked bought into Bevo's mantra. Um, but generally coming back to the, if you've got a primo that underperformed and he's got a high break even, my advice is to stick with them. Um, look at other areas you can fix on the ground. Obviously danger's got to go and, and um, Rao, they're the main priorities for pretty much half the coaches out there. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's sticking with your primos because you picked him for a reason. Yeah, for me, for that many uh, players with a break-even of 120 points or more, once we get into round three, round four, round five, uh, there are going to be plenty of juicy options to trade up to. So uh, start to generate that cash and obviously start to target some of those players that you want to bring in long-term as well and obviously keeping in mind uh, your buy structure there as well. Okay, Jep, on to a few key players for the listeners. Uh, time to play like, dislike, uh, add a comment if you like, and we're going to do a 16-pack tonight. Let's start with Jordan Clark, like or dislike? No, I still like him. Um, too long to bounce back, and um, Jordan Clark to bounce back big this week. Yeah, I still like him. I did start with Clark there as well, so I still think that's okay. Um, if he starts to struggle in the next couple of weeks, obviously job security is in question, but I think he's still solid in that team at the moment. Okay, Sam Berry, like or dislike? No, I liked him. Obviously, young Rooks um, struggled to play four quarters, and he started with a house on fire at half time and then ran out of gas. So he, he'll build his fitness with each week, and he'll be a very, very good player for the Crows and for AFL fantasy coaches that own him. Yeah, I think it's a big like for me. However, I do think he's a potential for a sub there early on, just to make sure that he doesn't uh, tank himself out early in the season. I thought it was fantastic early. His pressure was great. Uh, some comments coming out of Adelaide this week have been very positive, so I think that's uh, good for his job security early at least. Uh, that's a massive like there for me. Okay, Jaden Stevenson, Jep, like or dislike? Mm, yeah, I, I like... But I'd just be wary with the players that return back in North Melbourne's team. So Jed Anderson's back this week. And then, the, you know, I think Cunnington's probably another week away. So I expect his centre bounce attendances and midfield time to be reduced. Because forward to centre, I'll give you the tip, North Melbourne struggled. So he is as damaging forward to centre than he is in the midfield. So, yeah, I would expect some fluctuating scores from Stevenson. Yeah, so you've got exactly what you said. Uh, Anderson due back this week. You're at Cunnington, who uh, they were a little bit conservative coming out of concussion protocol last week. And Dumont, who's a little bit further away. 
Now, for those who watch the game, North Melbourne game, is quite important because Stevenson was absolutely everywhere. He was back in defence, getting that um, handball received, passing it on, and getting it back again. He was everywhere. Now, Kangaroos coach David Noble uh, was quite positive in his post-game presser. Uh, that's what he likes, that Stevenson adds speed to the game. Even though those three midfielders are coming back into the team, I'm still quite bullish on what Stevenson can do. Um, if he's going to be playing that uh, give-and-go from the back deep in defence uh, through the midfield and to break those lines, and again, I did stress throughout the preseason, those players who break lines are going to be highly valuable. David Noble has, has said all throughout preseason that he wants to add speed to the team game plan. And Stevenson gives, gives them exactly that. So for me, I'm a massive like on Stevenson. Okay, Andrew Gaff, you were at the game. Uh, he was pretty much non-existent for the first two and a half quarters. Um, like or dislike, yep? No, I still like him. Um, Dewey, Stuart Dewey had a clear game plan for Gaff. Uh, there were time, He was always checked. The Gold Coast Suns, and I'm quite. I'm on the third tier of my of the oval there and I can see the whole ground right in the guts of the centre line and obviously I watched Markov and Gaff very closely and with Gaff you would see the Suns players point to Gaff to their teammates when when he you know pushed through the different lines of on the field so there was a clear game plan for Gaff to be close checked he ran up and down that wing god knows how many times um and there was a lot of times where West Coast, for whatever reason, wouldn't kick it to him, and he should have got the ball. So, Gaff will come good. Stay stay strong. Yeah, for me as well, I did start Gaff, so I don't have any concerns there quite now, uh, just early in the season. Um, I hope, actually happy that he got to 70 points in him because that looked like a total disaster in round one. So, still a massive like there for me on Gaff. Okay, Jai Caldwell did pop in the tackles there against the Hawks on Saturday night. Now, the one thing that listeners have got to know is that was a pretty soft matchup between both teams, uh, probably giving up plenty of points left, right and centre. So Caldwell popped in the tackles and he did uh, kick off his round one score quite healthy. Uh, for me, actually, still like. I was concerned about his ceiling, but we did see it in round one, which is fine. Uh, so for me, it's a like. Jeff, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I still like him. I think he's got the role and, and the, you know, the enough centre-bounce attendances and he plays that market game a little bit as well. So there's a lot to like with Caldwell. Yeah, the role's still there, obviously. OK, Andrew McGrath uh, for Essendon as well. He had a massive round one score. Um, as I said in his in, in last year with McGrath, in his junior career, he was an elite midfielder. Um, he would be given go through that midfield and this game plan where the Bombers look like they're going to play corridor football... Uh, that suits him to a T. Um, your thoughts on McGrath? Well, I'm glad he brought him up because he's one of these left field players that I'm looking to bring in. Um, I think, and coming back to your theory, Pete, on the line breakers, gee whiz, if he's not a line breaker, I don't know what he is. And he was phenomenal. So as a bit of a point of difference and those who want to take a punt early, um, if McGrath's going to keep getting all these handball receives, then gee whiz, he's going to be in for for pretty good scores most weeks. Uh, just just again a reminder that Hawthorne Essendon game uh, that was quite a soft matchup for both teams, so that's something to keep in mind right there. Okay, Jordan Degoe, he was a popular option there in round one. I did not start with Degoe. Uh, your thoughts first, Jeb? I did start with Degoe, and he annoyed me <laughs> no end. Um, but at, at the same time. 
he was at the first centre bounce and I was licking my lips and here we go, this is going to be a good call. And then, yeah, Bulldogs really thrashed him early and I felt like Collingwood were always on the back foot. I am looking to trade out Dugowie. He's the discounted premium that I want to sideways trade to another discounted premium to get that cash generation and potentially, you know, um, a top six forward or back or mid, whatever way I work it. So, um, yeah, he didn't look great and he didn't look fit either, which was pretty disappointing. But, you know, the guy has got a history of not looking interested on the field sometimes. Yeah, for me, I still think the pick's fine. Um, now, this is one of these players that you t- really needed to tune in throughout the preseason. Obviously, um, we only had one game. To what actually happened? Now, we've seen his centre bounce numbers in that one preseason game be quite high. Now, Nathan Buckley referenced this in his press conference when talking about Dugowie and his midfield usage in that game. Uh, Amy Series Community Series game, which was quite important, and that made me decide not to choose him at round one. Now, two things happened in that game for Dugowie. Uh The first one was Taylor Adams did not play, and we know he is a high centre bounce usage player at Collingwood, so that's one. Secondly, still side bottom was injured early in that game, so he left the ground. He was going to see some midfield usage there as well. So. Once you factor those two players coming back into the team, and side bottom is due back this week, and Taylor Adams obviously played in round one, that would mean uh, the centre bounces would have reduced for the goey. So that, I think that was something really important that uh, listeners should have been in tune with uh, on their decision on the goey. So that's why I did not choose him. I just thought uh, he was becoming a popular option there, and obviously I'm big on ownership. Once a player becomes popular, I start to try and put holes in them. And I thought that one was quite easy to put a hole in to go in and not starting him. Okay, Lockie Scholl, he was fantastic uh, against the Cats. Jep, in round one, uh, like or dislike? Yeah, liked him. Um, he was a line breaker and he uses the ball well. It was it was pretty good game from him. I still feel, though, that he might be one of these players when Adelaide play well, he plays well. When Adelaide play poorly, he'll play poorly. Yeah, don't mind those comments. Um, I still like Scholl. Had him in my team. <laughs> for 95% of the pre-season, believe it or not, and took him out uh, once I started to see some low low scores. Um, and I wanted that half-back role and didn't think that was solid enough a week by week, but I thought he was fantastic in round one. But I still like him. Uh, hopefully he goes well. Okay, Nick Hind. He's playing that uh, quarterback-type role for the Bombers. Jep, like or dislike? No, I still dislike him. Um, I agree with the comment on the Hawthorne-Essen game being soft, and... Yeah, watching the game at the pub with some mates, um, I was intent, and I felt like he really got up in that last quarter when when the game was sort of floating around a bit. But he's not for me. I'm just going to stay away. Yeah, I got it. I, I did start on actually, um, so it's still a light for me. Uh, I think that role is right there, and I think Essendon uh, will struggle this year. And I think you will see plenty of traffic in that defence, and coming out of that <laughs> half back line, I think that's actually a good spot for him to be in. Josh. Thankfully, Jack, like or dislike? Yeah, like. Um, he did well. It's just Bevo at the helm. Roles can change pretty quickly. Chalor only had two centre bounces and spent most of the game on the wing. I can't see that happening forever in a day. Um, so just be wary. Yeah, for me, it's a like. And so far, so good. 
I mean, obviously, we can change at any week with Luke Berridge in charge there at the Bulldogs. Uh, for me, I was big on uh, going with no Bulldogs or starting at least two Bulldogs in round one. And I did the I did the McRae-Dunkley double. Mostly, from my point of view, was I thought the Bulldogs would be a high-disposal team this year, and they racked up 465 disposals in round one. And I thought that was something that I wanted to be a part of. And obviously, if you've got a high-disposal team, if you've got a couple of options in there, obviously you can correlate those into scores. So for me, it's a massive lot for Dunkley. Uh, but obviously, it's a wait and see, see how we go. But for me, it's long-term there for me. Okay, Tom Green, uh, wet conditions uh, for that GWS St Kilda game. Uh, he's an in-and-under contested-type player. Um, I... Didn't quite like his role. Um, Callum Ward was moved into the middle of that ground in that second half to provide some um, contested type centre bounce usage. So that's where uh, Ward's numbers did spike. Um, and it's a bit of a concern there for me for Green. I did I did have him in my team for most of the preseason. And once I'd realised that the players that I wanted to target were those corridor type elite kicking midfielders players um that was an out there for me for green so it's a, a dislike there for me for tom green jeff your thoughts yeah dislike for me too just because he's got Cornelia and taranto always there and they both played pretty well and his first choice in that side most weeks he um he struggles in other roles green and that's why his time on ground was pretty low because he's not a lot of value forward or center yeah, that's right. And Hopper's that um, ball inside contested midfielder at the Giants. And then, yeah, exactly. When when you throw in Ward, who uh, I didn't think he was going to play inside midfield, but those conditions did suit him. Once he comes into that middle, you got Tarando, you got Kelly, who started in uh, centre bounce, and, and you got, sorry, Cornelia Tarando as well. So you, it's pretty deep, and he's not in that top three for centre bounce, so that's where that was a fade for me. At round one, Paddy Dow. Obviously, we've got Zach Williams coming back in this week. Jack Martin is also available. We know he does see a sprinkling of centre bounces. I'm expecting high centre bounce usage uh, for Williams in the Carlton team. The Blues did get smashed in centre clearances last week. I think there will be adjustment. I think Dow is going to be on the wrong end of it. And it's a watch this space on Ed Kerno, Sam Walsh, uh, to see who gets... Um, a decline in centre bounce usage because I think uh, Williams is going to be quite high. Obviously, Cripps is going to be number one. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think Dow is is a dislike and not a good pick, and owners should look to move him on. Personally, he um, had a lot of opportunity in that game and didn't produce a great score. Okay, onto Callum Mills. Obviously, flagged during the preseason that he was going into midfield at Sydney, and he looked fantastic. Massive like there for me, Jeff. Your thoughts? Yeah, huge like, and very annoyed at myself. He was in my fantasy team for 95% of the preseason. Um, really, really upset um, at myself at that decision. And, yeah, oh well. Look to bring him in soon. Okay, Gold Coast, you did watch this game. Oleg Markov, Jep, your thoughts, like or dislike? Fantastic runner. A massive like. Um, he would take a mark from you know in the defensive half and then he would just leg it and break the lines and be on the receiving end of another plus six um like him a lot 
Yeah, like uh, I thought it was a match play at round one, and that turned out to be the case. Um, I will add uh, that that was dry conditions in Perth, as you would have known, and on the Gold Coast we know we have humid and wet conditions, so I wouldn't expect that high level of marks, but I expect a pretty decent return for Markov uh, for most weeks. Okay, Dustin Martin, as I said earlier, Richmond had 75 inside 50s against Carlton, and that played right into the hands of Martin. Jet, like or dislike? Yeah, look, obviously a like. Um, looked amazing, and um, yeah, wish I could bring him in, but um, I think I'm going to struggle for the cash personally. But um, yeah, he looked really, really good, and owners should rejoice. Yeah, I'm not too sure Richmond are getting 75 inside 50s there, so that actually reduces the opportunities there for Martin. So that's something to keep an eye on. It was a soft matchup uh, for Richmond in round one. I thought I thought Carlton defensively were pretty poor, and that was mostly due to the midfield. So, and that leads us into the well. I still like Martin, but it's just to watch his space on what he think you can score. Uh, but he looks ready to go. And don't forget, we did say that Damien Harwick said he's uh, had uh, a fantastic preseason, and it played out that way in round one. And that leads us into our final player here, Sam Walsh. Uh, again. Count did get destroyed at centre clearances, and which led to, again, 75 inside 50s for Richmond. So they got torched. Williams comes back into that team. We know the Blues like to play fast uh, north-south football. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what David T does to that midfield and what changes he does make. Uh, the flag is obviously on Paddy Dow with Zach Williams coming in. But Sam Walsh, your thoughts, Jeff? Like or dislike? Yeah, I like him. I'm an owner. Um, I thought he had the role, and yet it's obviously subject to change, but it just seems like they're going to put the faith in Walsh uh, one way or another. So he's the gut runner in that team too. So both an inside and outside role, plenty of ball going to go through his hands eventually in a game, and um, he should score well. I thought he looked actually fantastic in round one. So for me, the, the ideal setup for Sam Walsh would be Cripps uh, and Kuno giving it out to Walsh and Cripps and Williams giving it out to Walsh. So Walsh is that receiver in its center bounces and obviously the in and under work with Cripps and whoever else. So I think that's his role. I didn't really... I would like to see more of it actually so he can be just be that instant outlet and obviously if he starts to run through that corridor um, he can start to hit some high ceiling numbers. So I'm still a like for Walsh uh, at... Obviously, after a pretty good score in round one, I thought he was, looked fantastic. Okay, just a couple of extra questions I'm going to add to finish off the podcast. Uh, a few final points to discuss. I did prioritise job security for players under 300k in my team. Uh, it's unlikely the sub will be consistently the same player each week. So that's something to keep an eye out for listeners. And I think that is wholly important when making trades. Your thoughts? Yeah, agreed. Um Let's be fair, you, you, the goal is to get the rookies off your starting field as soon as possible every season, and this season is no exception. So try to, um, you know, if you're going to pick between upgrading a, a Campbell or a Warner from Sydney, you'd obviously upgrade Campbell first because he's got the younger body than Warner. He's a bit more hardened, so you would think Campbell could be a sub or get a rest first. So, yeah, definitely, um, you know, picking those... Rooks with job security for sure. 
uh, I maintain my point about team depth and a lot of rooks playing this season. We're going to be spoilt for choice most weeks. And look, there'll be weeks where there's challenges with it as well, with the with the surprise subs and and the like. But we got the rolling lockout. We stay on top of the news and and follow you on Twitter, who is always first to it, mate. And um, we'll be right. Additionally, I did start a non-playing defender in round one for the captain loophole. Did you start a non-playing player in round one? No, I opted not to because. This cash generation in the early rounds, I just felt like was more important. Um, yeah, we, we do have, what, uh, two, four, six, seven, eight bench players, so it could have balanced out. I toyed with it, and that's where I the pressure of the rolling lockout, I got row out early on that Saturday, and um, sort of hindsight probably could have done it, but I'm still happy with where I'm at, team balance-wise as well. You know, we could see a Brockman get dropped this week's who wasn't bad, but he wasn't great. Um, or even, oh, who's another? Maybe an Anthony Scott, potentially, although Cozzy's another one who could go. So I just opted to play it safe. Yeah, and obviously the captain loophole is quite important to pick up those extra po- couple of points with a couple of shots at a captain score. Uh, finally, holding trades will be important at some stage throughout the year especially for bench cover, once that starts to thin out for some fantasy coaches. Again, job security, best 22 for players under 300k is important, Chip. Oh, for sure. Um, And the Sydney kids look great. Tom Powell looked fantastic. He did move um, on the ball in that second half, though. Mm. So, again, what happens with that? Does he stay more half forward with Jed Anderson coming in? we just got to monitor that a little bit. Because I felt like his score of 61, no, 68, sorry, was probably a bit flattering. Even He kicked a goal first up and, you know, that's 12 points. And, yeah, so just be wary of Tom Powers. I think depth in your in your rooks and the scoring potential in your rooks is, is, is similarly important to their job security. So, for example, with that comment, James Jordan scored 80. I'll be pretty impressed if he scores another, even above 70 against St Kilda. I felt like Frio let him loose and um, and he did as he pleased almost. So having James Jordan on your bench isn't the worst thing in the world if you have to. Um, and I'm kind of toying with that position at the minute. So yeah, I just think depth in that in the rookie spot was the. Rookie spot that can score 65 plus is is important. You know, Brockman's going to score under 60 most weeks. Cozzy's going to score under 60 most weeks. Ned Cahill's going to score under 60 most weeks, uh, and even Anthony Scott as well. So, having a Scott on as a, well M9 isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I'll just go back to this sub. Um, if we've got players on pretty decent break evens. Um, if they're named out of the team but still in a sub, uh, those some of those break-evens are going to get absolutely torched. So cash generation yeah. is going to be an issue for those. So, again, that's why, why I have mentioned uh, job security and best 22. So that I know we got some players that scored more than what I thought they would in round one. But, again, my focus was on job security for those players because I don't want them to be a sub whatsoever. So 
um, that, that, that could happen and it's going to torch some break-evens and restrict um, cash generation. Okay, finally, tagging is well and truly on my radar jet. Let me tell you why. Liam Shields went to Zach Merritt in the second half on Saturday, Saturday night and slightly shut down Zach Merritt. Something to keep an eye out there for Zach Merritt owners and obviously leads into my second point. Stephen Canelio had a run with roll on Jack Steele early on Sunday. So for me, um, players that have high influence in ball movement could be a target for a tag. I'm not saying it's going to happen and it's on going to be a week by week. Uh, look out for but it's just on my radar that it might start to happen so something to keep an eye on your thoughts Jeff? yeah i don't mind that i think the halfbacks are more the susceptible to the tag this mm-hmm. season yeah. um i think it's harder to tag in the midfield personally shields has done it for a long time so he yeah he did a great job of marrying that second half and probably was a factor in them winning the game um but i feel like the caleb daniels of the world and the Jaden shorts and those line breakers, you know, Adam Saad and the like, they're, they're going to get some attention for sure at some points. But generally, we th- I still believe the tagging game is 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 not going to be um, as spiked as it has in previous seasons. Yeah, just on my radar, just a, a watch and see, see what happens, see if coaches start to take out a more effective type player like a number one or number two in that midfield so we'll just see how that plays out for the next couple of weeks and obviously if that starts to become a trend that also impacts fantasy okay jep uh, this season for listeners obviously if you didn't know already know there's an extra podcast per week i'll do that on a solo podcast monday to tuesday morning drop so monday not tuesday morning it will be designed to provide some extra information, probably 10 and 15 minutes worth, um, in order for you to take your game to the next level. Uh, again, podcast will drop Monday night, Tuesday morning. And then, Jep, you and I will do the Tuesday night podcast, which will pretty much drop on Tuesday nights, if not Wednesday mornings in some situations. Okay, final thoughts on leading into round two, Jep. Yeah, just a reminder about picking the Valley Picks. I think go for the discounted premiums that look the goods instead of going for the expensive premos that are, you're sure they're a set and forgets type situation. But I feel like coaches really need to cash in in rounds two and three with their trades. Jep, for me, you know what I hated? Is that players got named for a debut? Connor Downey? He didn't even play. I absolutely yeah. hate that. I mean, yeah, I just hate it. I hate it 100%. So... You know, that's something just we're going to have to deal with as fantasy coaches. Um, you know, players get named for a debut and then all of a sudden, well, you're not even playing. Happened to Lazaro as well, yeah. really. And well, he came on the ground, so. Yeah, he um, he scored a tenner. But, um, and look, he's obviously discounted this week and and, and a potential good pick, pick up down the line as teams play out. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's just something, like you said, we're just going to have to deal with, monitor, manage. We've got the rolling lockout, which, look, I don't like the rolling lockout, but if there's an advantage to it, it's that. And I go back to the point of having depth in your rooks um, for to cover that issue. Yeah, reiterate what I said about strong job security for these players under 300K. I think that's just a massive chance. You know, if Tom Powell gets... 
done for a sub man it just smashes his break even so we might have to look elsewhere so that's just something we're just going to have to monitor throughout the season so hopefully those players that we have picked are high quality and will not be the sub anyway Jep that's it for episode 69 thanks for tuning in everyone thanks guys